Are you guys doing good? You guys doing good? Amen. That was a. Uh, I like it when we linger and worship a little bit longer. That's a. Uh, it's always a plus. And we have an awesome worship leader, Bo, uh, who left to go. I'm sure wiped some sweat and cough a few times. Uh, but you guys enjoyed Bo. You guys appreciate Bo and, and all his serving. That's awesome. Well, hey, we're continuing in our series uh, through the Book of John, the Gospel according to. St. John, and our uh, our sermon series is I Saw the Light, um, just a good old Hank Williams song ready to be sang there, uh, praise the Lord, I saw the light, uh, well we're praising the Lord because we saw the light, and if you haven't seen the light yet, well you're going to see some light tonight, uh, and hopefully by the end of our series, however long that may be, we're in week 11, but however long the series may be. Uh, by the end of the series, hopefully we can all say uh, with full assurance, we have seen the light and we have experienced Jesus. Uh, and uh, we're in John chapter 4. We finished chapter 3 last week. Wow! Uh, Ten weeks to get through three chapters. Um, if that is our current rate of pace, we're going to be in John a while. Uh, I know we're not going to finish chapter 4 tonight. And I know we're not going to finish chapter 4 tomorrow or next week. But we're going to finish... John chapter 4 in three weeks, which that's kind of cool, but uh, uh, tonight we have a lot uh, to, to talk about, uh, but just a little bit of review, uh, we've seen Jesus, uh, God becoming man uh, and dwelling among us, this is John chapter 1, then we saw uh, how John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord, then we saw how Jesus was baptized and filled with the Spirit, then we saw uh, him call his first disciples. Uh, and in that process of come and see, a uh, great evangelism technique. Uh, then we saw a guy by the name of Nicodemus learn what it means to be born again. Uh, then we saw uh, what it means to uh, get angry, and Jesus gets angry, and it's kind of cool. Uh, and then we learned last week uh, what we ought do when we're faced with competition, uh, and it's not when it's not healthy competition, when it is, uh, I want to compare myself to you because I feel like I'm better than you. Uh, and we looked at what every believer should have, and every believer uh, should first, if they want to grow up, they must first grow down. And we looked at what it means to have uh, less of us and more of Him. Okay, And we said every Jesus follower should have four things. They should have a humble theology, a humble understanding. Does anyone remember what the humble Come on, note takers. Yeah, humble attitude. Thank you, Sam. And the last one, they should have a humble, yeah, humble relationship. We look at all what all that means and how it's all about putting Jesus first. And how when Jesus is first, He kind of warps everything we think about. Yeah, I mean that's good. It's good when Jesus warps our minds. Um, And so with that, uh, we're moving into this week's message. Uh, and if you're taking notes, which I would encourage you to do, I say that every week, and I never get tired of saying you should take notes, so hopefully you guys don't get tired of me saying it. And if you do get tired of me saying it, start taking notes, and then it just won't apply to you. So uh, you should take notes, uh, and not because I have anything good to say, right? Because God has something good to say to us through His Word. Uh, but if you're taking notes, the title of tonight's message is, I Am He. And that all makes sense uh, in just a second. Um, but before we get started with God's Word, I left something at the back table. Uh, it's a water bottle. And Olivia, if you would be so awesome to grab that water bottle uh, and throw that up here, that would be really cool. 
You don't have to throw it. You can run it if you oh. want. You can throw it. You can throw it. My sister's got a very good arm. I taught her how to throw a football. And now she can throw water bottles. Uh, I can catch, too, just so you know. Um, yeah, right? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, but I want to let you guys know something. And this is actually it's all going to segue nice with the water bottle. But 150 years ago, uh, something was done that had never been done before. Uh, the question is, what is it? Well, uh, there was a company... Uh, in the northeast of the United States uh, that started doing something that no one had ever done before. Uh, and they started uh, producing this and selling this. Uh, the name of the company was the Poland Springs Company. Does anyone know what Poland Springs makes? Bottled water. Yeah, bottled water. This is something that was never heard of before. They didn't use plastic bottles back 150 years ago because they didn't have plastic. They used these little stone canisters and they made bottled water. Uh, At the time, bottled water was something, uh, it was new, no one had ever seen it before. Uh, It was quoted that uh, to sell something God has given us for free is absurd. Um, This bottled water thing will never catch on. Um, Well, that was back in the 1800s. As of today, Poland Springs is the second largest bottling facility in the United States, and the third largest in the world. Uh, go figure, I'm drinking bottled water tonight. How, have any of you had a water bottle today? Yeah. Has anyone had? That doesn't quite count, but uh, water bottle. Okay, since, since Brianna, I want everyone to look at Brianna. She's got a Crystal Geyser's bottled water. Crystal Ooh. Geyser makes the best bottled water on the planet. Bottled at the source, Mount Shasta, my all-time favorite. But here's the thing. Uh, we as Americans... On average, as Americans, uh, spend $11 billion a year on bottled water. America spends $11 billion on bottled water. It's really cool. Uh, So apparently, uh, this did catch on. It was not something that was just absurd. It caught on. Uh, Some more fun water bottle facts for you. Um, Bottled water, like this, from... Refresh Safeway brand. It's actually Refresh E. It's the fancy way of saying refresh. Um, bottled water is the number two most consumed beverage in the world. Second only behind soft drinks and soda, like beverages. Uh, bottled water outdoes coffee. What? Yeah, not just bought coffee, but poured coffee. Uh, it outdoes milk. Surprisingly, bottled water is drank more than beer. Wow, like it's crazy. Bottled water is is is. I mean, it is the thing. Okay, uh, and since uh, I'm a product of our society, I guess I love bottled water. I just told you my favorite bottled water is Crystal Geyser. Uh, I'm a fan of Aquapana. Has anyone ever had Aquapana? Comes in a glass bottle. It's bottled in Italy. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I also like San Pellegrino, which is the sparkling mineral water, which is good. Sam's drinking some Perrier, uh, which is that bottled at the source French mineral water. Olivia? What's your thing with Arrowhead? I remember when we were... Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I love Perrier. I love San Pellegrino. I love Aquapana. I love Crystal Geyser. I absolutely hate Arrowhead. I do too. Um, has anyone else noticed that Arrowhead has a plastic flavor to it? Yes. It's disgusting. It okay. Disgusting. Uh, Arrowhead's not that good. Uh, I never got into Dasani, uh, but it's. Uh, I, I started drinking it more recently. It's all right. Uh, they have this thing called Smart Water, uh, which is cool, I guess. Um, uh, they have Fiji Water. Uh, Fiji Water. Apparently, America has bought the lie. 
that this is water. Okay, no joke. This is what Fiji says about their water. They say, our water is bottled at the source from a spring that is protected by volcanic rocks that help purify the water. Drink our water. And so we buy water that was in the Pacific Northwest, where we have pretty much the most water on the planet. And uh, um, the Yeah, like in the clearest water, <laughs> you can drink it off the mountain. We buy water that was shipped on a boat across the water from a land that is surrounded by water, all because it's volcanic. It's really cool. Uh, so much so that Americans, uh, we, on average, if you were to buy a gallon of water, okay, if you were to buy bottled water by the gallon, you are spending more than double you would on gasoline. It, on average, if you take the average of every water bottle company, uh, bottled water costs $7.50 per gallon. Tap water is great. And, and, and now we're getting to the next point of the sermon. This isn't even the sermon. This is just the fun facts before the sermon. Um, but should we really believe what they say about our water? A study came out just a few years ago uh, that a good majority of our bottled water companies are really purified tap water. Interesting. So our good friend Perrier is probably some French dude up in the mountains like, <laughs> those stupid Americans. And he like hooks the water bottle up to a hose. It's just coming straight off of the drain pipe. It's kind of gross. Yeah, you never know what we've been drinking, but we as Americans, we love our bottled water. Have you noticed in the last five years, bottles have changed shape? Because they're making eco-friendly bottles that use less plastic. Okay, I'm no eco-scientist, plastologist, but I don't know how you can make 12 ounces out of less plastic. It just kind of seems, it has to do with the ribbing, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, less plastic, more water, whatever. Uh, But here's the thing. Uh, Has the American thirst been quenched by bottled water? And some would say, yes, I, I don't like drinking pop as much as it tastes good. I try and stay away from it, uh, but I've really, in the last probably month, uh, have really started to like Sprite. Has anyone ever drank Sprite before? It's, it's like really good. It's like water on steroids. Uh, but I started drinking Sprite uh, partially because they have the coolest slogan ever, which is Obey Your Thirst. And so my question to us, yeah, that's Sprite, Obey Your Thirst. Uh, as Americans, are we obeying our thirsts? Are you guys getting your proper amount of water today? Uh, But the real question is, as Christians uh, and as spiritual beings, are we obeying our thirst? Uh, Today, as we read, I just want you to pick up on some water bottle-isms in the scripture, uh, because today is all about uh, living water uh, that raises dead bodies. Amen? Living water that raises dead bodies. John chapter 4, verse 1. If you're there, let me know by saying holla. And if you're not there yet, let me know by saying hold up. Alright, here we go. John chapter 4, verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, when Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that He had made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus Himself did not baptize His disciples, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour, which some of your translations will let you know that that is noon. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. 
for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much, uh, God, for uh, who you are. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, God, it cuts down through uh, our bone and our marrow, God, into our soul and our spirit, God, and it shows us and it reveals the, um, God, just the desires of the heart. God, we pray that your word tonight, God, would would cut through to our heart, God, and we would be uh, touched by what you have to say in your word. Uh, God, that we, uh, if we be spiritually thirsty, uh, God, even if we are spiritually refreshed right now, God, I pray that each and every single one of us would uh, drink of your living waters tonight, God, and uh, we would thirst no more. Uh, God, so we thank you and we praise you. God, we just pray uh, that none of these would be my words, uh, but God, that you would speak through. Uh, God, anything that is of me may it fall on deaf ears or may I not even be able to get it out of my mouth. Uh, God, and we just pray that your word would encourage us, that it would inspire us, and that it would challenge us. Uh, God, to live more like you. So, God, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. One thing I notice about Jesus uh, in this portion of Scripture, we're going to go verse by verse a little bit, but then we're going to kind of dive into kind of some general themes. But one thing I notice about Jesus in this portion of Scripture uh, is Jesus... Uh, Jesus lives with a purpose, okay? Uh, Jesus lives with a very defined purpose. Uh, maybe not defined to us as the reader, maybe not even defined to his disciples, uh, but Jesus knew his purpose and he knew uh, what it was all about. Uh, so just if we are remembering a little bit from last week, remember John uh, the Baptist, uh, he was confronted by his disciples saying, uh, hey, Jesus is baptizing more people than you, what are you going to do about it? Uh, and John gets excited. John the Baptist gets super excited for Jesus and they're like, hey, that's awesome. I'm going to decrease so that he can increase. So John gets really uh, pumped about this. Uh, And how does Jesus react? You think, all right, we're in Jerusalem, Judea. It's like the hotbed of religion. It's the hotbed of uh, people. And Jesus is getting super famous. Uh, John the Baptist, the most famous dude at the time, is like, hey, Jesus is cooler than I am. You all should follow Jesus. This would be the normal place for someone to kind of like set up the stage and be like, I'm Jesus, come check it out, we got some cool things. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't set that up. He says, uh, I've got to go. He left Judea and departed to Galilee. Uh, now if we knew anything about what a map of this region looks like, uh, Jerusalem, big capital in Judea. Galilee, quite a while away. Uh, it's about a five day journey away. Um, and there's not a lot to do in Galilee if you are the Messiah. Okay, If you are like a religious leader, Jerusalem is the spot to be. But Jesus, he leaves. And it says some really important things about this. It says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Okay. Um, before we talk about the importance of why he had to go through Samaria, because that's weird, but we're going to get there in a second. Uh, Jesus, what did I say? He's living with a purpose. The reason why he left uh, Judea, why he left the Jerusalem area, <coughs> is because his hour had not yet come. Uh, his hour wasn't here yet. And that's a phrase that you'll hear often in the Gospels, my hour has not come. Uh, but Jesus, he had a purpose. And uh, 
he came in the fullness of time, okay? Like when Jesus was born was a specific predisposed date that was prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus was always on time. Um, remember at the wedding at Cana, uh, and his mom said, Jesus, turn this water into wine. He said, woman, my time has not come yet. Um, Jesus knew when he had to be declared Messiah. It was going to be on that day that we celebrate, Palm Sunday, when he enters into Jerusalem as King of the Jews, as Messiah. Uh, you would remember in Scripture that Jesus tells his disciples, you know, if the people don't cry out, the very rocks will cry out. Because it was a day that was prearranged before the beginnings of the earth, that Messiah would be revealed. And so Jesus was like, hey, I can't stay in Jerusalem any longer. I'm getting too popular, and my time has not yet come, so I'm going to split. Well, uh, how many of you guys, your Bibles have a map in the back? Okay, uh, This is something I've never done in a sermon, but turn to your map section. I don't know the last time you've heard a pastor say, turn to your map section. Just so you guys know, just so you guys know, the maps is uninspired part of scripture. Uh, this was not in the original manuscripts. Uh, they didn't contain maps in the Bible, but those are there for us Westerners who want to know a little bit more. Can anyone find where Jerusalem is on their map? It's in Judea. You guys see it? It's down there kind of in the south by the Dead Sea. Uh, can anyone see where Galilee is? See Galilee up kind of towards the north? Does everyone see Galilee up in the north? Yeah, it's by the Sea of Galilee. Go figure. Now, if you have if you have a Bible map that breaks it down by Roman provinces, you will see that there is something directly. Can everyone see this whiteboard? Can everyone see this whiteboard? John, can you give me that green pen? I'm not going to try and uh, get up on Joey here, but here we go. This is kind of like our Mediterranean Sea right here. This is Palestine, okay? Uh, and we see. The Dead Sea, we're going to just call that the DS, okay? We see right here, Jeru, sounds like from, it's from the hood, okay? And then up here, we got the C-O-G, Sea of Galilee, and we have the region of Gal, right here. Now, what have you guys noticed about this region? Oh, let's say right here. That is Samaria. We're just going to call it Sam for short. Okay, Jesus leaves Judea and Jerusalem, and he's going to Galilee. So the easy trip is straight line all the way to Galilee, right? Okay. Uh, so yeah, it. What's that? Okay. So Brianna says that's why he's in Samaria. But here's the deal. It says this. It says, but he needed to go through Samaria. If this was the normal route, why would he need to go through Samaria? Why would the author have to put it down? Well, this is why. Because this is what the normal route for a Jew going from Jerusalem to Galilee was. So it's a little bit longer. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of bit longer, actually. Okay. Uh, this, from Jerusalem to Galilee, through Samaria, is two and a half days. If you heard me just say it earlier, Jesus is going on a five-day journey. Okay, What the Jews would do when they would leave Jerusalem to go to Galilee, they would go and they would go to the Jordan River and they would go up and they would bypass Samaria unequivocally because a Jew could not go to Samaria. Um, did not like that at all. Uh, well, here's the reason why he needed to go through Samaria uh, and why Jews normally don't go through uh, Samaria. Uh, no one wanted to go through there uh, because the Samaritans were viewed as half-breed, second-rate citizens. Okay, the reasoning is why. Uh, how many of you guys remember your Old Testament history? Uh, the 
kingdom of Israel was split into two different parts. Okay, if we're using the same map, I don't have a different color pen, sorry. But the kingdom of Israel looks something like that, okay? Uh, and it was split after its second king uh, into two areas. There were the southern tribes, which was Judah and Benjamin, which was uh, what became the tribe of Judah, and that was two tribes, okay? You guys remember how many tribes of Israel there are? Yeah, there's 12, so what does that leave up top if we take two away? All the math wizards say 10. Those are the 10 northern kingdoms, a.k.a. Israel, okay? So something happens uh, to the northern kingdom. They were evil, they were doing bad in the sight of the Lord, and a group of people called the Assyrians come over here. I'm not going to abbreviate Assyrians on the board, because that would be a bad word. Um, I'm just saying so these Assyrians, uh, they took them away, and then a few, like a hundred years or so later, the Babylonians came and took out Judah and took them to Babylon. These guys took those people to Nineveh and Assyria. But King Sargon, everyone say Sargon, Sargon. King Sargon of Assyria, he displaced the ten northern kingdoms and put some Assyrian folk here to repopulate the land. Okay, now there were some Jews left over here. But those Jews intermarried with those Assyrians and they formed a new mixed breed race called the Samaritans. And so when the Jews, under the guidance of Nehemiah, Ezra, Zerubbabel, and Jeshua, come over to rebuild the walls, reestablish Jerusalem, under the reign of King Cyrus, uh, something happens. Okay, These Jews are like, whoa, you intermarried and you broke the law that our fathers were given by God and now have passed down to us. You are now cut-rate citizens. You guys are second, like, get out of our place. And they were uh, viewed as evil, dirty half-breeds, okay? Uh, so every Jew would pass uh, Samaria because... They wouldn't like to be seen in the same area with them. There was a, a, a phrase that the Pharisees liked to use back in the day. It was better to eat pig flesh than to eat dinner with a Samaritan. Okay, as Americans, we love bacon and pork, so what's the big deal? Well, if you don't know anything about Jewish law, you're not allowed to eat pigs. It's not kosher. And so they would say, it's better for us to break the kosher laws and eat pigs than it is to eat dinner with a Samaritan. Um... Different story for a different okay. night. Good question, though. Good question. Homework. You got some homework. Go look up kosher laws and why. All right. Uh, that being said, uh, but Jesus had a purpose. Uh, and Jesus' purpose uh, was to be on assignment. Uh, and Jesus' assignment was he had an appointment uh, with somebody in Samaria. And that person didn't even know that he had an appointment with her. Um, and so the question I want to ask you guys tonight, this isn't even the sermon, uh, we'll get to the sermon in a little bit, but this is the mini-sermon in the sermon. Uh, do you live with purpose? Okay? Do you live with purpose? A book was published, oh, I don't know how many years ago, by a guy, by a pastor of a big church down in Southern California, you may have heard of it, it's called Saddleback, and their pastor's name's Rick Warren, and, and, and he published a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Okay? Well, let's just say Jesus was the starter of the purpose-driven life. Jesus is purpose and driven in the way he lives his life. I don't know if he read the book. I don't think he did. Um, but Jesus is living with purpose. And the question is, are we living with purpose? Uh, 
Uh, is Jesus what it's all about in our lives? We talked last week about making Jesus everything uh, in our lives. And is it all about Jesus? So are we living with purpose? Verse 7 says this. Uh, a woman from Samaria came to the watering well, uh, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Um, and then Jesus is confronted by this girl, and she says, Yo, why are you asking me for a drink? You are a Jew. Uh, and I'm a Samaritan woman. That's like a double whammy, okay? Uh, because Orthodox Jews back in the day, they wouldn't talk to women in public. Um, they wouldn't talk to their wife or their daughter in public. Uh, it was like a no-no for an Orthodox Jew to talk to a woman. Well, Jesus is an Orthodox Jew, and Jesus is a rabbi. So no-no talking to a woman, strike number one. No-no talking to a woman who is a Samaritan, strike number two. Jesus, what I love about Jesus, and Jesus does this all the time, Jesus breaks the cultural norms Okay, Jesus is not politically correct at all. So if you ever want me to be politically correct, no, because I follow Jesus, okay? And Jesus was not politically correct. Jesus liked to break the norms. Uh, and this girl says, well, why are you talking to me? Uh, and Jesus uh, Jesus pushes the issue. Not only does he break the cultural uh, norms and, 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 and what's right, the right relationship that we're supposed to have, uh, Jesus also pushes the issue. And what does Jesus push? He says, hey, woman, uh, you need me. He doesn't say it directly like that. Um, but here's the thing. Jesus uses that you need me strategy. Uh, and that's something that we, if we are living with a purpose in our lives, uh, we can use that you need Jesus method when we sit down and talk to people. Okay? Because here's the deal. Without Jesus, people are hurt. Uh, people are dying. Um, and they need Jesus. Uh, how can we say this unequivocally? Well, Ephesians tells us all that we were once dead in our sin. And then Jesus. Okay? And so without Jesus, we're all dead. And so if you put your faith in Jesus tonight, you're not dead, which is great, but we live in a world full of dead people. It's kind of like the sixth sense in Bruce Willis. I see dead people, right? There are dead people all around, and they are walking around dead, and we, being alive, can walk by them and not even say a thing. But here's the deal. If they're dead, and we have life, wouldn't it be great if we could give them some life? So it's okay, because Jesus wasn't politically correct, it's okay for us to break down those politically correct walls and be like, excuse me, do you have Jesus? People are like, whoa, that's weird. Like, I'm not in church. But no, we can do that. Okay, so this is the mini-sermon. That isn't even what we're talking about tonight, which is great. Uh, but here's what Jesus did. Uh, he talked where they were at, right? Okay? Uh, Jesus says, hey, I'm at the well. I need some water. I'm thirsty. And you ask someone, hook me up with something to drink. And then he talks about Jesus. It sounds like something that we as Americans do a lot also. Maybe not with watering wells, but maybe with Starbucks. Okay, that's the modern watering wealth, the Starbucks. When you go to get your pumpkin spice latte, everyone loves the fall because pumpkin spice. And then when winter rolls around, everyone can get a peppermint white mocha. Amen. And uh, it's I know you can get them any time, but they're cooler in the red cups. Because Starbucks loves Christmas. <laughs> Christmas blend coffee. Amen. Yeah, we go to the watering hole all the time. And we can tell people about Jesus. But that's the mini sermon. This is what happens in verse 10. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So Jesus says, Hey, if you knew who I was, and you knew what the gift of God was, which is salvation, you would have asked of me, Give me some of what you've got. Give me some of that living water. And then she does something that a lot of people uh, normally do. 
she tends to uh, change the subject. She says this, uh, Well, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep, so where do you think you're going to get that living water? Uh, are you greater than the father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? She's like, all right, so you say you're going to give me some water. Jesus is talking about a spiritual issue, right? Remember when he goes to Nicodemus? He's talking about, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, is it really possible for me to climb back into my mom? And Jesus uses these <laughs> natural, or not, I guess natural. not natural, but uh, he uses things that we can see, and he uses them with spiritual and theological connotations. But this woman, she's like oblivious to it, or maybe she did know what he was talking about, but she's... Like, eh, I don't want to talk about religion right now. She's like, well, where are you going to get the water? You don't have a bucket. The well's deep. You don't got any rope. How's this going to work? But Jesus, um, Jesus says it like it is. And he's like, all right, I know you're changing the subject. But then he says this in verse 13. He said, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water, uh, or, or whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I have shall, uh, shall give him will, uh, the water that I give to him shall uh, become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus breaks down He's like, all right, woman, I told you I'll give you everlasting life, living water, and now you're talking about real water again. I'm talking about something more. I'm talking about something spiritual. Everlasting life, which is what all people at this time and today really want. They want to know what happens when they die. They want to live forever. And uh, so you think she'd get it. He's now talked about it twice. But what does she do in typical fashion? Uh, she says, well, sir, give me this water that I will thirst no more and that I won't ever have to come back to this well to draw the water. Jesus is like, ah, oh, woman, uh, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. I'm not talking about water. And so this is what Jesus did. Because you, you guys might run into this, okay? When you're telling someone about Jesus, they are trying to change the subject. Has anyone ever tried to talk faith with someone, talk Jesus with someone, and they like to change the subject? Yeah. Like, hey, have you ever heard of Jesus? And they're like, yeah, did you see the sports page today? It's like, okay, I don't want to talk about that. I'm talking about Jesus. And they're like, I don't want to talk about Jesus. You're weird. And uh, they like to change the subject. But here's the thing. We as followers of Jesus... Uh, we have the capability to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember, we did a six-week series on the Holy Spirit and His empowering power in our lives. I don't even know if that's the right phraseology, empowering power, but it's power that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a lot of power uh, and uh, superpower. Uh, and here's the thing. Jesus, just a few weeks ago, we saw when He was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon Him, and He was now empowered with the Holy Spirit. Jesus does something that an empowered believer can do. And he says, I'm going to cut through all this side talk of what not. I'm going to cut to the heart of the issue. And Jesus cuts right through and tells this woman who she is. He reads the woman's mail. He says, alright, well, go call your husband and tell him to come here. It's verse 16. Verse 17, the woman answered him and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said well when you say I have no husband. And this woman at this point is probably like, oh, what's going on? How did he know that? Um, because this woman, we're going to see when Jesus breaks down how she's living, this, world, this woman's experimenting. She's like doing all sorts of things. 
Uh, and Jesus catches her uh, in her messing around. He says this, For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you are with now, he's not even your husband at all. And in that, you have truly spoken. So this woman's just like, oh my gosh, Jesus caught me. Uh, this woman was going here and there. Uh, if you're married five times, um, something probably wasn't working, okay? Uh, I would probably say that this woman was uh, chasing around uh, her crushes, okay? She'd get infatuated with someone be like, oh, this is great, let's get married, because that's the right thing to do. And then she kind of loses interest in her husband, but when she's out at the watering well, no, when she's at Starbucks and she sees the other guy, she's like, oh, hey. And then she gets a divorce because she loves the infatuation period. How many of you guys have ever uh, maybe liked someone? That's like a really American term. Have you ever liked someone and there's that infatuation stage where it's like, this is awesome, I want to be around them all the time. And then like you start dating them and then after some time you're like, yeah, this is fun, this is cool. Uh, and maybe you've gotten to the stage where you're like, I can't stand this person. They were fun to hang out with. And then I started dating him, and it got weird. Um, well, this woman obviously loved... Did I hear someone say preach it? That's funny. That's funny. That's funny. Um, well, uh, this woman was chasing the crushes. She liked it so much that she did it five times. Uh, and now she's realized, okay, this really isn't working well. Uh, here, here's just a fun little fact for you. She went to the well at noon, okay, which is the hottest time of the day. Uh, all the other women would go early in the morning or late at night because they would try and get out of the heat, okay? Um, and so the reason why she went at probably noon, probably because she was an outcast, because all the other women were, well, you guys know what girls do. They're like, talk. I know. Did you hear what she said? Guys do it too, just not as much. Maybe sometimes guys do it a lot. But uh, yeah, we do it just as much. Who are we kidding? Uh, but she was an outcast, okay? And they didn't like the fact uh, that she was living wild. So this time, she's with dude number six. And she's like, well, I'm probably going to end up divorcing you. I don't want to divorce you again. So uh, let's just hook up and be friends with benefits, okay? So number six was this guy she's living with who they're not married to. And they're... You know, and so Jesus is like, hey, yeah, this is what you're doing, and it ain't right. Um, and this kind of stuff happens today, okay? Have you guys noticed that? Uh, where people, uh, maybe you've seen it, people go from love interest to love interest to love interest. Uh, but love interest to love interest to love interest is so much more than just relationship guy with girl, girl with guy. Uh, people have love interests with other things, uh, like drugs, like alcohol like the way they spend their money, uh, like the people they hang out with. And here's the, the whole gist of the story. Uh, this woman was going around chasing satisfaction that she could never get. I think there's a British band that was formed in the late 50s, early 60s. Lead singer, you might know him by a guy like Mick Jagger or something like that, and he sings this song, uh, I can't get no satisfaction, right? Okay, I'm not going to sing the Rolling Stones anymore in church. But uh, uh, yeah, these people chasing and they can't get satisfaction. And here in our world, we as Christians even, we tend to chase things, okay? But definitely the non-Christians, they're chasing things to try and fill a void that can only be filled by God. And they try and fill it with sex. They try and fill it with relationship. They try and fill it with drugs, alcohol, you name it. People are trying to chase Something that they can never attain. Here's what it's like, since we're talking about water and since Jesus talked about water. It's like if you were dehydrated, 
How many of you guys have ever been dehydrated before? Anyone be like really dehydrated before? Uh, I yeah, I've passed out from dehydration, uh, and it was not good. It was combined with heat stroke, which is even worse. But uh, dehydration is not good. Uh, I'm not going to get into the reasons how you can tell if you're dehydrated or not. I coach football, and we tell kids during uh, uh, daily doubles to examine when they use the restroom, uh, what color, and you'll know if it's dehydrated or not. But let's just say you're really dehydrated. Okay, I just said that from the pulpit. I don't know why. Uh, but it happens. It's real. It's natural. It's, okay? it's a real thing. Yeah. So if you're super dehydrated and you start drinking salt water, Oh, that's okay. worst. Yeah, that's bad. Does anyone know why that's bad? Here's why it's bad. Okay, because the salt is messed up and it drains your kidney. Here's the thing. For every one cup of salt water, you have to drink seven cups of pure water just to flush the salt water and then more on top to rehydrate yourself. So here's what it is. We're all dead in sin. Let's use the water. We're all dehydrated spiritually before Jesus. And our dehydration... Before Jesus, spiritually, anything we try to fill that God-shaped void with is drinking salt water. And it is more and more and more and more dehydration. You know what happens when people drink a lot of salt water? Okay, yeah, not only do they die, but what happens before they die? They go crazy. Okay, have you ever heard of cabin fever? I heard people talking about pirates. It must be national talk like a pirate month or something like that. But uh, (laughs) pirates, when they wouldn't get wind in their sail, or just any sailors, when they wouldn't get wind in their sails, their boats don't move because they didn't have motors back in the day. And when the boats don't move, they're not going anywhere. When they don't get anywhere, they get a little stir-crazy. Then they run out of their supply of fresh water, and when they run out of their supply of fresh water... They start getting dehydrated, and then they get so loopy in the brain that they're like, I better start drinking some of the ocean, because it's a lot of water. And they start drinking the salt water, and they legitimately go insane trying to quench their thirst. And what's the end result of dehydration and lots of salt water? It's ultimately death. Okay? And so here's the thing. This applies spiritually. Think about it. Before Christ... You're just chasing all the desires of this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You're chasing, chasing, chasing. You are just chugging salt water, and you are getting more and more dehydrated. Think of how much more water that's fresh, that's living, it takes to push all that out. Well, here's the thing. Jesus breaks down how much water it really takes. We chase, we chase, we chase. We want more, we want more, we want more. Uh, I mean, even our water bottle craves. We want... We want more! Fill me with more! Okay? I said I'd talk about smart water. Do you guys know what smart water is all about? Electrolytes. Yeah, not just electrolytes, though. Here's the thing. This is what smart water says. They're like, all right, where's the best place to get pure water? The clouds. Well, since we really can't catch clouds, and they tend to move here and there. What? This is what smart water says. Since we can't catch the clouds, what we've done is we have manufactured our own clouds, and we vapor collect water, and we're even better than the clouds because we inject it with electrolytes. So that's smart water. You should drink some smart water. It's like, I mean, we, we've gotten crazy with our water. But here's the thing. This is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. He says, woman, believe me. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm going to skip back just a few verses. Verse 19, the woman says, sir, I perceive that you must be a prophet. Okay, that's probably a good... 
little guess because Jesus just said you have five husbands and now you're with someone who's not even your husband. He's reading her without her even saying anything. Uh, and she says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain and the Jews say worship in Jerusalem. What place ought we worship? Okay, now this is another reaction that you might face in the real life. Jesus reveals to her by the power of the Holy Spirit, Hey, you are lost. You are dead in your sin. You need Jesus. So she does what most people you've ever had a conversation with do is they're like, well... Religion. Yeah, not a fan of religion. Uh, I don't like church. Church is full of hypocrites. They say one thing, do the other. Or, well, this religion says this, and your religion says this. Well, which one's right? This is what she says. She says, Samaritans worship on this mountain. Jews say worship in Jerusalem. Which one's right? Once again, trying to change the subject off of her and be like, well, yeah, religion sucks. How many of you guys have ever heard the religion sucks thing? Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a very real argument people try and come against. But Jesus, once again, brings it home. He's like, I don't want to talk about religion. I don't want to talk about any of that. It's all about your heart. He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. He says, hey, it doesn't matter what church building you go to. It doesn't matter what group of hypocrites you think you're a part of. Here's the deal. God wants true worship. And true worship is in spirit and in truth. There's a reason why I had Bo come back to that song, I Am Set Free. Because that word truth there is the Greek word. You guys ready for a Greek word? Yeah. Is the Greek word aletheia. Everyone say aletheia. Aletheia. Cool word. It literally... In our English translation is truth, but the expanded trans, uh, translation of that word truth is to be set free, to have a mind that is escaped, okay? To be set free. Truth, and that worship in spirit and in truth, comes from people who are worshiping because they have been set free. They were once dead, now they are alive. They were trapped in sin, now they are set free. They were dehydrated and drinking that salt water, and now they've experienced living water. True worship comes from people who have been set free. Because if you haven't been set free, what do you have to worship? Okay, but when you have set when you have been set free and you have experienced God's grace, God's mercy, then you have everything to worship about. So Jesus sets us free with his life and with his truth. And only through Jesus can someone uh, experience the fullness of life. Uh, we as uh, Westerners, uh, and the world just in general, uh, we are very interested uh, in what life is all about. Right? Okay, people are like... What is the meaning of life? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's 42, right? Okay, no, apparently it's 42. The the universe and everything. Oh, it's the answer to the life and the universe and all that stuff. We want to know what life is all about. Not only do we want to know what life's all about, uh, we want to know how we can prolong our life. Uh, how we can live better. Here's one that you may have heard. How you can eat better. How you can get super fit so that you can live longer. Uh, apparently left-handed people die seven years earlier than right-handed people, so I'm just going to die. I'm going to die early, apparently, but it's all good. 
but here's the thing. People people want to know how they can prolong their life. And if they can't figure out how to prolong their life in this world, they want to figure out how they can prolong their life in the next. Or if they can be brought back to life. I read an article not that long ago about people. There's this facility in Arizona that is a cryogenic cryo place where they freeze. Does anybody know what cryo is? It's they freeze you. So when you die, or right before you die, they freeze you so that in 200 years when we have the technology, they can de-thaw you, hook you up to a computer, bring you back to life, and you have all your memories from 2010, and now you're living in 2210, and you are living the dream. Okay? Uh, can that happen? No, I don't think it can happen. Uh, uh, there's a lot of movies. Uh, there's a lot of TV shows. Uh, I think Futurama, didn't that happen? Yeah. Uh, I've never seen the show. I've never seen the show. But, uh, yeah, cryo. People want to know how they can live forever. Um, but here's the easy Here's the easy solution. I'm going to have Bo. Bo, if you can come up and just start uh, playing in the background softly, that'd be awesome. Uh, I am set for you to be a good song, just because it's kind of a, a good theme for tonight. Uh, but... Here's the thing, if, it, if we truly want prolonged life, uh, if we want to know uh, how to have hope in the next life, uh, the easiest answer and the easiest solution uh, is, is to look to Jesus. This is what verse 25 says. It says, The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called the Christ. And when He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus responds to her and says, I who speak to you, I am He. Uh, Jesus is all we're looking for. Uh, and Jesus says some pretty cool things. And we don't have time tonight to go into uh, the full rest of the story here. Uh, but next week we're going to see uh, that this woman, she experiences Jesus. Uh, and she says, alright Jesus, I want your living water. I want to experience what you're all about. And, and when she does that, she not only, uh, not only has her life changed, but she goes back to her city. Uh, and we're going to see next week that lots of people from our city come and they experience Jesus and they have this relationship with Jesus so much so that they love Jesus. They're like, Jesus, we want you to come stay in our town for a while. And Jesus goes and he stays in that Samaritan town and many great things are done. And the Samaritans, they experience Jesus. And then a few years later, after Jesus has died and rose again, a guy by the name of Philip, who's an evangelist, he goes to Samaria and an extreme revival breaks out. Uh, because she experienced Jesus and she told people. Uh, Jesus talks to people and, 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 and we have this example to follow. We are to follow the example of Christ. Jesus talked to people. And here's the thing. We as Christians, uh, I know me myself, uh, I use this as an excuse. It's like, well, I don't have anything in common with that person. But God, when there's someone who I share a lot of things in common with, then I'll talk to them about Jesus. Oh, you like football? I like football. Let's talk about Jesus. And and we use those excuses, but here's the thing. Jesus, he had nothing in common with this woman at the well. First off, he was not a Samaritan. She was. Uh, second off, he was not a female, but she was. Uh, Jesus had nothing in common with Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. Jesus wasn't a Pharisee. Nothing in common with Zacchaeus, this short little tax collector who was the bane of the Israelites' existence. Nothing in common. Nothing in common. Jesus talked to people he had nothing in common with. And... It's in these moments that these people experience Jesus. And I think that's just a good, uh, a good little thing for us to do. No matter where you are, uh, make an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. Uh, it's okay to be a little pushy, uh, but do it with love, okay?
Okay, don't be like, I'm going to throw my Bible down your throat. Uh, you don't have to do that. Uh, but do it with love. Do it with love. Uh, but don't wait for the opportunity to arise. You make the opportunity. You make the opportunity. Just like John and Jesus last week, they were baptizing. Why? Because there was a lot of water there. There was a lot of water, and since there was a lot of water, they decided to baptize. They made the opportunity. They didn't wait for the opportunity to arise. Does that make sense? So we as believers, guys, we, we don't have to wait for the opportunity. I remember when I was younger and I was in high school, I'd pray every morning. Dear God, give me a divine appointment today. God, bring someone to me who needs to hear your love. Yeah, that's a great prayer, okay? It's a lazy prayer. I mean, I'll be honest, it's a lazy prayer to pray that God would arrange a divine appointment for you. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, do you have Jesus in you? Yeah, if you put your faith in Jesus, you got Jesus inside. You have the Holy Spirit also. Uh, they're divine. And so any moment you have is a divine appointment. Any appointment you have is a divine appointment. If I have a meeting with Joel tomorrow, it's a divine appointment because I bring Jesus where I go. We don't have to wait for divine appointments to show up. Okay? When we show up, the divine shows up. And we can have an experience with somebody and they can experience Jesus every single conversation you have. Think about it. That's crazy. You bring the living God with you everywhere you go. And if you've been set free, why not let someone else experience that same freedom? It's, I mean, it's not by something you can do. Obviously, it's Jesus who's doing the work. And the Holy Spirit's leading you. But here's the thing. Just waiting for it, it may never come. It may never come. But if you make the effort, there's endless divine appointments waiting for you the second you walk out that door. But the question I uh, I want to ask tonight, uh, and I know most of you in the room, Joey, I don't know you that well, but you're a great guy. Thanks for having uh, for, for being here tonight. Uh, but uh, the question is, have you tasted the living water? Or are you someone who you lay in bed at night and you you don't know? You don't know what it's all about. You're like, I, I don't know what my life is really for. What is my life all about? They say the two greatest moments in someone's life is the moment they're born, obviously, and then the time that they realize why they were born. Uh, and as believers and followers of Christ, uh, when we find out why we were made, when we find out why we were born, uh, is when we meet Christ. And when we meet Christ, He tells us, hey, go into all the world. You've got me. Go tell people about me. And Jesus wants us to tell people about Him. But maybe tonight, you're hearing about Jesus for the first time. Um, and the question would be, have you given your life to Jesus? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if you were to die tonight, that you'd go to heaven? Uh, is, is heaven your home? You know that heaven is where you're going to go. And that that is your hope. And you know without a shadow of a doubt, that absolute expectancy of good to come is heaven. And the question would be, uh, do you want to taste the water? Jesus has everlasting life. And it's for all of us. We can drink of that water. And here's the thing. He says this. He says, no man comes to the Father but through me. But anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So here's the deal, guys. Jesus is the answer. And if, you, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, make tonight the night that you give your heart to Jesus. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, give me some of that holy water. 
Give me some of that living water. I want to experience you. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. There's no time like the present to do so. Uh, but if you're not sure, uh, think about it. Pray about it. Uh, but Jesus wants a personal relationship with each and every single one of you. And He wants you to experience and He wants you to drink of the water that you will never thirst again. This bottled water, I did it again. I didn't even take a drink of the water I had in my hand. But uh, Jesus wants us to drink all His water. Uh, and not only does He want us to drink all His water, He wants us to eat all His bread of life. Okay? And His Word is the bread of life. And so I'm just going to invite you guys tonight uh, just to stand. Uh, we don't have to close our eyes. We don't have to do any of that fun altar call stuff. Uh, if you've never heard about Jesus, or maybe you've heard about Jesus and you just haven't decided to live for Him, make that decision tonight. Make that decision tonight. Say, I want to follow Jesus. And just pray these simple words. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Jesus Christ is Lord. But what we're going to do tonight, guys, in closing, is is we're going to sing this song, I Am Set Free. We're going to sing it one more time. uh, And we're going to declare it with everything that we have. uh, That not only is Jesus Christ Lord, but that we are set free because of what He has done for us. And because we are set free, that Greek word means truth. We can worship God in spirit and in truth because we have experienced and we have tasted the living water. And like Jesus, we can take that living water anywhere and everywhere we go. Because every moment, every appointment when you walk in the room is a divine appointment if you've got Jesus in you. So let's just declare tonight that we're set free. I am set free take that example, God, and we would go because we have appointments. God, we thank you that your son, God, he told us what it's all about to have living water. God, we thank you for your living water, that we've experienced your living water and the refreshing taste of that heavenly spring water that brings everlasting life, that brings salvation. God, we pray that God, that since we've tasted and since we've seen, God, I pray that we would bring that living water that we have within us 
God, out of the abundance of our hearts, God, out of our love for you and our love for others because you love others, God, that out of the abundance of our heart, rivers of living water would flow forth. God, in our conversations would be seasoned with grace. God, and that we would tell people about Jesus. Oh, that we would tell people about Jesus. Because, God, we've been set free. And, God, you wish that none would perish and that all would be set free. So, God, we just take you with us wherever we go. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fellowship and the worship. God, and we pray that you would go with us as we go from this place. So, God, we pray all these things in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.